G'day and welcome back to the Eloquent in the Room podcast. I'm Rose Cooper. This is part two of my interview with Hella Hella Cougar, a.k.a. Patsy Minuti. Patsy Minuti. The absolute divine and lovely human being. My gosh, we had fun talking. It's fun to yell. And I'm really excited to share the whole interview with you. Absolutely. But this second half specifically, we had been talking for over an hour and a half by the time we got to this bit. So we were warming to the task. We were becoming more and more candid, more and more vulnerable. And my hat's off to Patsy, how much she opened up and how keen she was to share her journey and to ask me questions about my journey The end result being that you get to have a fly-on-the-wall experience with this girl talk. We did our best to unpack patriarchal things, double standards, Madonna Hall stuff. But it's also just two women talking about our basic insecurities, the things we know we know and the things we know we don't know. And we share more observations from our experiences having sex with much younger men And I think listeners might be surprised at some of the observations that we made. Some positive, some negative, some neither here nor there. They just are what they are. We both kind of come to similar conclusions, but we also realise that there is a lot about the double standard, particularly the older man, younger woman scenario, that we realise is a double standard in reverse when you're talking about older women and younger men. It's a tricky topic and we did our best to unpack it and uh, we found some interesting things in the suitcase, I've got to tell you. So we're going to continue rummaging around where we left off last time. Do enjoy the rest of the interview. I'm not going to be around at the end to give you my spiel because I'm going to give it to you now. If you enjoy the Eloquent in the Room podcast and you would like to be supportive, there's a few different things you might want to consider. Firstly, you can hop onto your podcast platform provider and hit like and comment if that happens to be an option on your podcast provider. I'd like that! If you have an iPhone, you can pop onto Apple Podcasts and give me a five-star rating. A comment and review would also be nice. All of these things help stimulate the algorithm, which increases my podcast's chance of being seen by people who listen to podcasts. It's all about engagement. Speaking of engagement, I also produce a fair bit of social media content on Instagram and now also on TikTok. I have links in the show notes to both of these things. Again, if you like and comment and share any of those posts, it puts it in front of more people. It also boosts the algorithm so it appears in more feeds. Things don't become popular just because they're good. Unfortunately, people have to actually engage with these posts, boost them. You can also hit the save option. Also, I have recently joined forces with Nikki Darling, a micro business out of Melbourne, who have a fab array of genderless sexual health and pleasure items. (coughs) Sex toys. If you use the special link in my show notes and also use the code word eloquent, 
you receive a 5% discount and I receive a small percentage of your purchase. So it's win-win for both of us. It's like I'm going to donate to the eloquent in the room and donate to my own sexual health in a very productive Woo! Sexual health! Yeah! But if you're really enjoying my podcast and my social media content and you'd like to make a more direct contribution to help motivate me and give me incentive to keep doing this because I am not being paid for it at all, you can join for one month or you can stick around a while. I do have some exclusive patron content up there. Every patron is treated the same. Contributions start at the price of a cup of coffee, but you can contribute more if you want to. There's no pressure. I'm going to keep doing it anyway. But I've got to tell you, I've got three beautiful patrons who are supporting me at the moment. It means the absolute world to me. It's direct feedback to me that people really do believe in what I'm doing and enjoy it and want to support it. I am giving exclusive content, but I don't think that should be the main motivation. It's just kind of a thank you. If you are a regular consumer of what I'm putting out there, it's just a little thank you. And a little bit of appreciation and encouragement goes a long way with me. Because it's nice to be appreciated. Um, I love you all anyway. And here's me and Patsy. Um, so yeah, in that, in that moment, I think it's just more about like the physical thing. I, um, and, and, and just men in general validating, you know, mm. I, that is still happening for me. And this is again, why I, sometimes I wake up, I'm like, I'm like a horrible feminist. Like I really judge myself so harshly for that. Uh, like, yeah. Well, you got to remember that patriarchy made you that way. And I'm, I'm, I'm learning that we're told to be good looking or being good looking is important. And yet, if you were to own that, if you were to actually really 100% own it, and that's what I'm discovering about the awesomeness of, um, of young women now, is that if they do get complimented, half the time they will say thanks, rather than, do you think so? Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, this is wrong with me. That's wrong with me. And have guys then throw back at them that they're egotistical and they love themselves and there's something inherently wrong with them understanding that when they look in the mirror, they actually, their eyes work and the person that they see is good looking and they themselves can appreciate that the person that they're looking at is good looking. So men would have to be blind not to see that, but men feel it's their job to remark upon it because this is the transaction. I pay you a compliment, you give me what I want. I give you more compliments, you go on a date with me and, and I, all that sort of stuff. So, so yeah, another reason why I don't do apps because I just hated that entire conversation. Well, and that, you know, that's another thing that, that strikes me that actually I, I think that surprises me that hasn't changed more in my lifetime is the notion that like, guys are still 95% of the time, 99% of the time asking women out. And it's just such a passive exchange while she, you know, she has to sit there and just like, wait. And then, you know, then you have like all these like dating coaches and dating advice people like trying to teach guys how to game the system about how to ask women out. And it's just, yeah. it's, it's solely on the guys. And then 
like then the women don't like how the guy asked them out or they, he didn't give her enough notice or it wasn't this or it wasn't that. And it just, it's, I'm like, how is this still going on? Um, how, how, why? Money, 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 money. So have you, I'm sure with your algorithm, uh, just by being on any dating site, you're going to get things popping up in your peripheral marketing sort of stuff popping up in your feed and I've noticed that from time to time you you see these courses how to make him love you and stuff like that these these courses that come up how to make yourself lovable that's not the actual title but that's the the gist of of these things right it's like the old Cosmo magazine yeah the five the five things you need to do if you if you want to know if he's if he likes you or if he's serious like this is still going on and you think we we as a society would have grown grown out of it long long time ago being insecure is marketed to us every day and it's so it's not your fault because you're being told on the daily that you have to fight your wrinkles, that you have to that you have to watch your weight, mm-hmm. and celebrities are showing you looks, the way to dress and fashion, and and we're all about what's hot, what's not, who looks good, who doesn't look good, whose post baby body bounced back fast enough. Yes, um, you know all this stuff. So rejecting it, I've been rejecting it for a very long time. You haven't had children, have you? I have not. No, see, I never. See, that's part of the way to ex- being forced to accept yes, your body. I think so. Is having children. Yeah. And not just because your body changes, but because of everything that having a baby does to your life and and how your last shred of modesty and everything just goes out the window because of everything that happens to your body and you get in touch with your body as a body that does something amazing rather than a body that looks a certain way and that you know that helps you change oh look at what my body can do but you're a fit woman and you do yoga and you probably go for jogs and stuff so you probably have the appreciation of fitness and when I used to be fit I would be like feeling my thighs pump up when I'd go for a run and and think these muscles are propelling me along and I'd be feel great like look at what this body could do I'd appreciate that having a healthy and being fit was in and of itself a great gift to give to yourself you know I, I I get that I really understand that it's work it's hard work. And you probably have genetics on your side as well to a certain degree. I'm sure I do, yeah. 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 I mean, I have Ital- so, Italian genes, hopefully, and my all my aunts look, I mean, they all look young. Yeah. Their aunts, but, uh, yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, yeah, I, I know that the aging process is going to force a reckoning, I, you know, on so many levels for me about, you mm. know, my relationship with my body, mm. um, my relationship with the male gaze, mm. um, you know, and, and that, the, that outside validation, right. From men, you know, I, it's going to force a reckoning here very soon. How much time do you spend in self-pleasure? I would say it just depends. Mm. I, it just like goes in waves for me. Mm. Um, it's certainly not, it's certainly not a daily thing for me mm. at all. And, but, you know, as you say that, like, I know that that would invite a stronger connection to me and my body. Mm. 
Is that, I mean, would you say that? That's that why. I, that's why I'm asking the question because there's there's mastur- yeah. there's masturbation and then there's self pleasure and I think that I think it's like the difference between fucking and making love. Mm. And if it's, if you think of yourself and your time, thinking of your sexual health because sexual health is very important and and like you know the medicine uh, journals would uh, say sex is good for you when what they really meant was having orgasms are good for you because just having sex in and of itself isn't or having intercourse in and of itself isn't necessarily good for you if it's puts you in a bad place mentally <laughs> right and if you're right. not ha- if you're not having orgasms it's good for men but it's not particularly good for people across the board but if you're thinking about what sensual pleasure does to your body and the hormones that it stimulates and the effect that the oxytocin and dopamine and all this sort of stuff if you look at it as a more of a chemical scientific thing like you would having an energy drink or a smoothie in the morning or or something so you're thinking of sex rather than I'm horny I need to get off you think of self-pleasure as having some time with yourself like you would with a lover and being really being really mindful of of that and and letting yourself fantasize and and spending time and not just like I'm just going to rub one out now actually set aside a bit of time to to enjoy the experience and I think just say and think loving thoughts towards yourself more might help in loving yourself. I think we can rewire our brains to fall away from these Pavlovian responses we have to things. I think that's how that, that I know you are absolutely right. And it's so funny how much resistance I have to that. Mm. Or, or it's, it's um, a fear of intimacy, mm. even with myself. And I think that's why I've never, you know, I've always maybe shied away from like long-term relationships. And I, you know, I mean, there are many reasons why I never wanted to be married, but you know, I, I, there are a lot of relationship coaches out there and, and uh, people who you, you just talk about this amazing relationships that you can have with another person. Right. You know, mm. and like this deep and it just like, that always scared me so much or like just that level of intimacy just felt way too vulnerable. Mm. And it's, it's almost like what you're talking about too is, is somewhat triggering in that same way about Mm. like having that level of intimacy with myself or my own body. Like why would that be so scary to me? Mm. Mm. Now I got to go get a therapist again, Rose. (laughs) (laughs) But we could just touch base from time to time. I don't mind. I know you can be my therapist. A few years ago, I was having a series of nervous breakdowns and I had anxiety and and all this sort of stuff as my vulnerable self rose to the surface without me fighting, without me stomping it down, going, yeah, no, being superficial. You know, I didn't even realize it was superficial, but I opted for being superficial for a very long time. I've grown up with fat phobia because of my family of origin and eating disorders. I didn't have an eating disorder, but two of my members of my family had eating disorders. And my father was a big man and unwell and and all this sort of stuff. And I just, it it programmed me in a certain way. And now that I'm getting older and we're in lockdown and I'm getting older, older, not just older, but I'm going to be 60 soon. So it's older, older. And I'm not I'm not getting as much regular exercise because in order to do that I have to do that 
it's not just walking to the office or walking to, to do things. I have to go for a walk. I have to plan around it. I have to set aside time to put music on and dance. It's my other default um, I love exercise, it. yeah, I love um, just freestyling. <laughs> watching you dance I love seeing your videos or you're dancing I'm yay like, do it. yeah it's yeah. so great yeah try and stop me um I, hell yeah. no. <laughs> but so I'm putting on weight and 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 I'm like noticing you know grabbable bits and stuff now I'm loving that there's the body positive movement reminding me that the body positive movement has nothing to do with me really not at all because I've never had a problem in inverted commas. I've never had a weight problem for a woman my age who has had children. I don't have to think about being body positive because society doesn't hate me for the way I look mm. yet. Mm. It, it might not look at me because I'm older, but it doesn't hate me or vilify me or fear me or feel anxious around me because of my size. So that's why I know that, but I had to learn that. I used to think I was being body positive just because I was a, I was a life model. I started being a life model at 49 and I was being positive about my body, but I was still not, the. I still was built in a way that people weren't going to judge me and tell me, pressure me, give me unsolicited advice on how to lose weight or what I should do to look better. I didn't have to encounter that in my life. And now I'm like released from that to a certain degree because I'm over a certain age and I, I, I'm not letting myself go, but I'm like just l- loving what is at the moment because the body positive movement is showing me what society didn't. And that's made me change the way I see myself when I look in the mirror. I don't have dysmorphia as much when I look in the mirror. You know, I go... Oh, look at that tummy. Oh, give it a squeeze, you know. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I, 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 I never had an ass. I've got an ass now. So I'm like, yeah, look at that. Baby got back. <laughs> I never had one. It starts working. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is. And you know what? I mean, you know, as, as much as I get upset about how many things have not changed in society, I do have to recognize that a lot of things have, or maybe it's just because of where I'm putting my attention. I don't know, but you know, the body positivity Mm -hmm. and privilege and, you know, that whole discussion and about discussions around gender and more acceptance happening. Like there are, like, I, I can see differences in how society has come along and at least in terms of awareness between like, let's say the 1970s and 1980s and today, I, I do recognize there's progression. Well, we even, even that. 10 years ago and today, like it's, yes. it's on a massive curve now. And I think Which what a great time to be great. alive. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I mean, it really is. Um, and you know, but that's still not to say that we don't have oh, miles to go. huge, you know, huge, huge strides, but I am um, just so... We're having um, conversations we never we never had. We're having conversations that yes. we didn't even know we could have or should have. It's no. Great. Mm. It's, and it's amazing. And I've always, you know, I've always considered myself to have a kind heart, a sweet heart, a compassionate heart, an empathetic heart. Um, but I, I still like, wow, still learning about, you know, my, my blind spots. Mm. And, and, you know, even just, even what you just said about the body positivity movement, like not being about you, you Mm. know, 
that is like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, the, that the, really, I, the day I realized that the day I, I, I'm a good, I, I still can be a role model and I still can be a good example, just having body acceptance, which is different to body positivity, uh, and, and stuff is like, it's changing. And like the, the most recent thing I posted, which was the, uh, review, for a sex yeah. toy, there's a glimpse of me in the shower from a very, from a great height, completely naked. You can barely see, but I just wanted to illustrate my nipples do not protrude. If I was to stand out on a snowy day, nothing. They just don't stick out anymore. It's just the I, fact I, of I life. the opposite problem. Like I can't get really, yeah. I could go on a run in a hundred degree heat, come back <laughs> and be in my kitchen. I'm like, go away. <laughs> Of that. Yeah, see, it's it's always oh. grass is always greener on the other side of the bra. <laughs> always, always. <laughs> now as well, like not caring one way or the other, the way you look. I still think uh I think body love is more of a thing. Whatever whatever you are, the way the way you look, whatever, I think it's good to love your body because it's also a sexual, sensual relationship that you have with your body and that that is something that translates when you connect with other people, that if you have love and respect and enjoyment of your body and your own body, you're going to be not inhibited about sharing that with people. If I feel entitled to be treated like um, a precious, beautiful sexual sensual responsive responsive being that should have time spent on my pleasure if I feel entitled to that with no apology at all then they should absolutely take that on board because they are endowed by society standards with so much more going for them they have the luxury of youth you know, they, they can pick and choose more than I can. And it's and it doesn't mean being egotistical. It just means being yeah. re, being realistic and 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 appreciative of who we are. Like really appreciative of who we are as as people. So so I think a lot of older women do say, and you probably in the in the process of beginning that journey of truly falling in love with yourself without yeah, needing I think other people. That's a great way of saying it. You know, mm. the, the beginning of that journey. Mm. You know, and, and I mean my whole life has been a healing journey, you mm. know, from from how I grew up. And that that's definitely you know, the next threshold, you know, the fifties, I think I think that that's gonna be a big theme for me. Mm. For sure. But, but I love what you're doing and I love uh, awareness uh, of the the dynamics. You whether you're aware of aware of it or not, you are absolutely understanding the the patriarchy's role in you not you know just you being the the judge. Like in in a lot of your skits that you do, you're the judge of what you want. You place yourself in that sort of role. You say things. You put things out there, those little um, press conference ones that you do, you know. I know, but you're like, you, you, you're throwing out jokes, but you're also sort of saying he did something wrong, I didn't yes. appreciate it, and that's what made me win that point. So you're putting this analogy in there. So I'm getting it. 
Hopefully everybody's getting it. You are the arbiter of how that play went down. You're Interesting. The, yeah, yeah. You're a very creative person. And the thing about being creative is a lot of the stuff comes through you that you don't pre-think to a certain degree. It's stuff that you create. And then afterwards you go, actually, you know what? That was funny. That was that was good. I didn't even know I was that good, you know, like because... <laughs> Because I watch my stuff all the time. Who are we kidding? I, yeah. I laugh at myself. I, yeah. I'm my biggest source of humor. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, but you're good. You're really good at what you do. And I see the value in it. And when I first checked, checked you out what you were doing, I thought, oh, but are you devaluing? I was a little bit worried about are you devaluing yourself as a woman by calling yourself a cougar? Are you falling into society's idea of who you are rather than your idea of who you are, who you are? Because I didn't like being called a cougar because for me it felt like the person who's calling me that is calling me a uh, predator and I didn't like that. Um, you know, mm. never, never, never in a million years would I be a pre- And MILF, I didn't like MILF because I'm I don't like, like MILF. Because it's like determining the fuckability based on having, you know, you know, yummy mummy, soccer mum, whatever. We're still being pigeonholed. And when I was starting to get older and and I'd say, oh, you know, cougar or, or milf or whatever, I'm like, I'm I'm outgrowing it. And then people will be like, but then you'll be a gilf, you'll be a grandma who, are, you know, you'll be that person. And because everybody cares too much about their fuckability. That, there's that FOMO where, you know, we're every, in everybody's, in every single sphere of life, the diet, the fashion, the this, the that, you're hot, you're good looking, whatever, you're big, you're small, blah, 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 blah. Will a man want to fuck you? That's what it all boils down to in that heteronormative sense. And in um, gay men's world, they suffer a lot of the superficial stuff way worse than what we encounter. Yes. There's, there's, yes. there's also the toxic masculinity that's thrown in, but we're still caring too much about whether or not we're fuckable. Yes. Care, we're still not caring enough about whether or not we're enjoying the fuck. Yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting, the whole cougar and milf term. Every now and again I use the milf term, but, but the cougar thing, it's funny because I call myself that. And I get a lot of comments from men, or I'm assuming they're men on TikTok that say, you know, who do you think you are that you call yourself that? Like, it's almost like I, I can only be called that if a man calls me that. Yeah. And I'm like, no, like I, because my simple definition is a cougar is, I mean, the baseline is just an older woman who likes a younger guy. Um, and then again, that's very heteronormative mm. when I say that. What, what I really want to keep going with is, is a broader definition of that. And it's mm. really, I think it's more about an energy that I've come into at the age of 50 to go out and pursue what I love. Yeah. To give myself permission to do that. Uh, you know, and, and for me, it's, it's pursuing younger guys. I, for so long, I've always felt like I was too spiritual, um, that that was so frivolous that I could never go out and pursue that. It wasn't proper. It wasn't ethical. I wanted to do it. I was very attracted to younger men, but it just, it didn't seem spiritual. So I wasn't going to touch it. That's my version of it. For someone else, it could be someone, some else, usually it's women, like, you know, they're hitting their forties or fifties and they've had this desire for a long 
long time or they need or, or they have an invitation to find that desire or what it is they love. Because when we hit upon that, you know, whether it's creativity or, you know, my sister started a new restaurant or my other sister started a landscaping business or a furniture restoration, whatever it is, like when you hit upon that thing that you love and, and you're just choosing every day things that you love, you create this life you love. And when you have a life you love, it is just amazing. Mm. And, you know, so like that, like that to me is what cougar energy is, is mm. just like living, like you're, you're healing your past shit storms and you're going to get out there and you're just going to live and, and, you know, un, 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 unapologetically. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what, what I want to tap into. That's where the sex positivity comes, Annie, because all judgment goes out the window of age or, or whatever's appropriate or inappropriate or gender or, or gender roles or anything like that. As soon as you say that sex is not a bad thing, it's not a wrong thing. Two human beings having sex is a good thing, particularly if both are consenting adults and they want to have fun and they want to have sex for its own sake. There's nothing inherently wrong with that. But as soon as you think of sex as being something that one dominating person is taking from a submissive person, not where two equals are coming together, but one person is winning and the other person is, you know, one's giving, the other one's taking. And a lot of people see these dynamics only when age comes into it, usually. Two people of the same age could be an asshole and a victim and no one's going to bat an eyelash about the appropriateness of their relationship because they're the same age. Exactly. Yes, right. I know. This drives me crazy. Yeah, yeah. It drives me crazy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So and there could be manipulation and abuse in that relationship, but because they're same yeah. age, it's so, just great. So if you if you go to a club, say, like a swingers club or something like that, not saying that you do or you don't, but if you choose to do that, they usually have um, an age grouping or sometimes it's open age, but usually you can choose that. And I know that at one swingers club that I was aware of that I knew that was like in case of emergency break glass, I knew it existed. <laughs> I love that. And you know exactly what I mean by that, don't you? If I know, oh, yes, I, if I know that I want to have sex with someone who's probably, you know, you know, I could go to that. That's what I could do. And they had these um, nights that were specifically geared to, to cater to um, having more women, more single women. So it was a couple's thing, and but the uh, younger men were offered the places to have, to go to these because they, because women generally, there's a lot less women pursuing casual sex generally mm-hmm. than there are men. Makes just sense. Yep. By, by sheer numbers. So so they were m- making their offerings, because you pay to go, making their offerings desirable that you, if you go, you know that, you, that, that they're going to be mostly, the other single people there are going to be mostly younger guys. So I knew that that was there if I ever wanted to, um, you know. Break the glass in case of emergency, yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love that analogy. Yeah, yeah. And I was, yeah, it was kind of a lot of the things that um, were on offer in my 50s that weren't on offer in my 30s. I'm like, <laughs> pick the wrong week to give up sniffing glue. <laughs> it's like a... <laughs> 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 Oh, just 
just just the smorgasbord aspect of online dating and all that sort of stuff. Oh, I would have had, I had a good time in my 30s, but I would have, you know. What I'm getting around to is the idea of pursuing sex purely and utterly as a fun pastime, which people do do as couples go to swingers clubs or whatever, or, you know, um, kinky sex or whatever, pursuing it for pleasure. And, you know, everyone's fine with that. So women in their you know, whether it's real, true or not, we want to believe it, whether it's confirmation bias or not. Women over a certain age, women over 35, say between 35 and 45 especially, their body is going through the motions of only producing a few more eggs and their body is like, last chance, let's get, you know, let's get this person pregnant and that's, that's what stimulates the libido in older women. That's supposed to be part of the equation. Um, and just also women come into themselves later sexually. They discover their likes and dislikes and discover their orgasmic potential and whatever and develop an ego from having had more sex and more satisfactory sex and, and it has a snowballing effect. Tremendous libidos that can only be equaled, matched by having sex with a younger man. I don't know about you, but I'm like... I want to hang out for a couple of hours, a good couple of hours, because we, I'm going to make the most of it and we'll have sex several times in that in that time. Yeah, sometimes. It, yeah. it just depends. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, <laughs> you yeah. know. Yeah. It, it just, yeah, it just depends. Yeah. One of the guys I was with in my 40s was, I, I mean, his libido, I mean, still pretty much outdoes libidos of most of the younger guys that I'm yeah. with now. I mean, he yeah. was just, and he was, you know, I guess he had, he turned 50 at that point. Mm. Um, yeah. It's like, it just kind of depends sometimes. Mm. Like some older guys have tremendous libidos mm. and some younger guys have uh, tremendous erectile dysfunction in yeah. terms of, you know, again, I blame porn for that. Mm you know, that desensitization and they have to, they have to have this in order to orgasm. Mm. Wow. I, I didn't encounter dif, dif, difficulty, but, uh, you know, them being quick. <laughs> I never say premature. I just say quick because it's, it's kind of judgmental saying premature. Yeah. And, it's also, and it's also heteronormative to say that it's premature because if, most of the time, by the time it gets to wanting to have intercourse at all, there's been a lot of stuff going on, and mm-hmm. I've and I've had several orgasms and stuff. So, so if they if they've built themselves to an orgasm to the point of as soon as they penetrate, they have an orgasm. It's not like there hasn't been a build up. There's been a right, build up, right? Yeah, you know, <laughs> stuff's happened. Well, and that. you know. And that's the other the thing that I have a difficulty, uh, t- a difficult time talking about, is when I, when I say that there is erectile dysfunction, mm. um, because I you know I also don't want to set it as a goal that people have to orgasm in sex. You know yeah. I don't want to make that the norm. I don't mm. and then shame someone if they don't achieve that right. But um, I guess what I call out or what I see is not, you know, is an inability to orgasm without watching porn. Yeah. You know, so when I, and I call that erectile dysfunction and, and, and I see that happening, that there's an inability to orgasm, not again, because of maybe some psychological, you know, challenge or trauma or something, but it's just simply because they've been trained 
to only, you know, to watch porn every night before they go to bed or in the mornings or whatever. And that this is, that's how they mm. orgasm. Yeah. Um, but it, does that make sense? Like where I struggle with, like, I don't want to shame people for that. I don't want to shame a, a guy for having a challenge orgasming or coming. I yeah. don't want to do that. That doesn't seem right to me or being premature or any of that, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also seeing porn's influence in that whole mix. Yeah. Well, that's why I haven't had that experience. The only time that there was a, like a prolonged inability to orgasm was due to having um, that person having antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And that was a side effect. So that was fine. Yeah, I, I, uh, I remember that yeah. years ago. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, no. That didn't happen, but there was still evidence of guys being subject to porn because of the questions that they would ask me in the in the day. What are you into? And you into this, that, and the other thing, and and questions they'd ask during like, where do you want it? <laughs> and the and the first time someone asked me, where do you want it? Because we, <laughs> we were having sex, I was like, um, you know, the the concept of us having a simultaneous orgasm was completely and utterly not even on their radar. They were just like, whether they were thought they were practicing safe sex or whether they thought it was a performance that I wanted them to do to ejaculate on me rather than in me, I, w- I just remember being like really surprised. I've had conversations with a guy since that time and they're like, oh, well, he's just worried about whether or not, I don't know, there's a lot of misinformation about how to transfer <laughs> STDs, let alone getting pregnant. I'm like, dude, obviously I'm not going to get pregnant. But yeah, where do you want it? Oh, that you know, I know, and it's just so funny. I it's like uh, I, I can't remember. I think in my book proposal, I wrote it. Yeah, like it's like some golden nectar of the gods that mm. you're like, you know, like <laughs> oh yeah, just like you know, I can't wait for it. You know, like but, mm. and again, that's a porn thing, right? Mm. You know, because it, it portrays this woman as like this like sex beast that just like yeah, just like dump it all over me, and I can't wait to you know what. <laughs> bathe myself in this like you know your your sexual fluid like I do yeah. and that one always just makes me laugh and it but it is you go like oh okay so this person has grown up on porn this mm. person this is their sex education mm. and they and they want to see it they want to watch it happen oh yeah yeah that's Our the thing is the money the money shot has always been about men wanting to watch men ejaculate not making any homoerotic connection in their own brain i wonder if the first person who made that first decision about the money shot what sort of thought went into it it was probably hundreds of years ago of some kind the very first porn on the very first movies that were we like, have a hieroglyphic yeah the ones that went on the on the cave walls and stuff and which one which one had the cock and balls with the the spurting coming out of it <laughs> um, Vesuvius right or what's the in the outside of Naples, Italy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And just, and just that visual, uh, thing that, that, that they want women's getting that wiring are also de- developing a taste for what they've seen. Like the thing about sexuality is the, the, the things that you prefer are quite often flavored by the very first few times that you have sex you you programmed a certain way and Mm. you know sex was painful for me the first few times I had it and then years later when I'd be having married sex and if we were having a quickie and I wasn't quite wet enough and it it hurt and it hurt a bit it would remind me of those early days of having this sort of 
painful sex and for some reason it was a turn-on. It sort of had this mm. sort of interesting, oh, that makes sense. interesting association with, I don't know, I've gone through many different phases in my life in regards to, you know, liking things that were rough at certain times in my life because it reminded me of those early days when I didn't necessarily like that it was painful or that the guy was a bit rough. But then later on, I, I sort of reprocessed it in a different way. And I don't know, it was interesting. I couldn't even, t- I couldn't even begin to describe what the psychological process is that changed, that re-labeled it as a hot thought rather than a memory of something that was uncomfortable. No, that is, that is interesting, yeah. Yeah, but girls these days are seeing what they're seeing and maybe really into um, I can't wait until this he has this orgasm and he shoots his load on me and, and actually genuinely be really a million percent turned on by it because that's, that's how they learned. That makes That's sense. That's what sex is, yeah. So I know that a few years ago I, was, I, I made a lot more judgments based on my own confirmation bias, on my own projection and, and all that sort of stuff, and I really thought I was out there saving girls from their, themselves and, uh, and trying to sort of say, well, but that's not enjoyable and that couldn't be fun. And, the, and then sort of probably thinking, don't, don't tell me what I like and what I don't like. Yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. Mm. That is so interesting. Yeah, but regardless of what it is that you like, liking it's the important thing, (laughs) if you like it. Yes. They're just making sure that people like it and they're not just doing it to do their party tricks and and be a good girl, do what is expected. Yes, I know. And I, 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 again, I'm still working through so much of that. So much of that, you know, mm. it's just, it's just, it's, uh, yeah, I, I would say like the next five to 10 years are going to be really interesting for me Yeah, in terms of a, a lot of, a, a lot of evolution. Um, yeah. And, and sexual experimentation. And, and I, you know, I think that's one of the biggest takeaways from our conversation is just, you know, continuing that down that path of, um, really honor, honoring myself and what I want and what mm. my desires are and how I want to be pleasured and really mm. putting that out there and mm. not, uh, not settling or tolerating less than that, you yeah. know? Um, and, and just how important that is. So, um, yeah, it's one of the really big yeah. things that has been really helpful for me in this conversation that another thing I mean, about- I knew, I knew I was going to learn <laughs> in this conversation. I did. <laughs> Another thing in that internalized misogyny thing, this is what I love about Instagram. There's some, I'm following some really cool people and they're posting some amazing stuff. And what is that old chestnut when a guy says to you, you're not like other girls or you're not like other women? And I remember I used to, years ago, I used to feel that that was a compliment, that I somehow unlocked the secret of being accepted as one of the boys or or being a, a woman that was cooler than other women, um, less uptight than other women, all of these things, not realising that this is massive internalised misogyny. I just wanted any reason to feel good about myself and I reached for it in the validation and acceptance and welcoming of men into their own domain because I had mostly male friends. I used to love playing pool with 
with the boys, watching sport with the boys, you know, hanging out with the boys and uh, more so than my yeah. my mother's groups or women's groups or anything like that. I found it boring. But Oh, I understand. But did I? Um, I just think I was under the spell of um, the people that was, I was surrounded with at the time and my first husband and all that sort of stuff of him wanting me to be this certain way and me finding like that Stockholm Syndrome sort of thing, like me making it work for me and me feeling like um, that was fun. And as a result, I still enjoy sport even though I've lost touch with a lot of what's going on in sport. I, I love a good sport movie or TV show or, or something that is based as sport as the metaphor of the situation. I'm watching Ted Lasso at the moment. Hmm. And it's it's an American football coach okay. in, 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 in England so coaching soccer. And it's a heartwarming, beautiful, hilarious, wonderful opposite of toxic masculinity thing. It's a great show. I highly recommend it. But I'm getting off track here. Um, talking about that certain, you know, you're not like other women. Yeah. Thing. Then that evolved into you in the case of being complimented, you look good for your age yeah. or or my son's friends saying you're a cool mum or young people that I knew saying you're a cool mum. You know, and so I was getting validation from yeah. young, younger people in the same way as I was getting validation from men. I still needed other people to tell me that... Um, there was something about me that was worth liking, worth befriending, worth fucking, whatever. This is the trap. It's like women are like that scene in The Simpsons when Sideshow Bob is walking in the field of rakes and he keeps stepping on them and they keep hitting him in the head. Women have that same situation over and over again. No sooner do you grab a bit of self-esteem than you fall down the other trap of, you know, seeking gratification and validation in other ways. And it's the age thing that's, that, that's the killer because you'll, you'll, you'll catch yourself and you, you, you're at an age now where you ca- you're going to catch yourself and second-guess yourself and saying, that wasn't a compliment. You know, like actually hearing something and going, that wasn't a compliment. You don't even know me. You have no idea who I am. You have no idea what an amazing, fantastic, beautiful, worthwhile person I am. And you think saying, you're cool because you're, you're still current, you're still relevant, and you happen to be a certain age. They're judging you by their standard of the gold standard of youth. Yes. And the world at the moment is still sort of looking towards, um, where, you know, we're all waiting for the boomers to die apparently because the young people should be running the world. But you look at your, your billionaires now, they're not all really old people. Mm-hmm. You oh, know, no. they're like <laughs> Mark, what's his name? Zuckerberg. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, so the movers and the shakers and the thought leaders and the capitalists and and the exploiters and and whatever, they're they're the younger generation to us now and they've they've found different ways. But other thought leaders are still out there and they're either the the hippies and the the thought leaders that have been doing it this whole time or brilliant 
brilliant, brilliant young people. I know that my awareness, just in the brief time that I've been following you this year, you know, my awareness has been raised wow. from the content that you put on your Instagram stories. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that's just little old me. Mm. And so, you know, you, you feature so many different diverse voices. Mm. Um, and, you know, I love how you just do like your little story mashups and, you know, I can just click through and, and, uh, I, I learned from all of them. Mm. I hope and you realize that. I, I feel really like my heart is bursting. I'm so happy to hear that because I know I feel that from people that I follow. And mm -hmm. so I've curated my feed and I'm really happy with, you know, like uh, I love sharing this stuff and um, particularly people like Janae Khan. Um, and Matt Bernstein and Jeffrey Marsh, Chelsea Hart, Betty Martin, Wagatwe Wanjuti. Too many to list off the top of my head. Yeah, that you know, there's just so much gratitude that that this is out there, and I'm learning every day. So as I'm learning, I'm sort of going, not just look what I've learned, but here are these teachers that have that have uh, blown my mind and helped me navigate this steep learning curve that everybody hopefully should be on um, and also I have sons that actually give a shit about the world as well and who are continually putting things in front of my face and who have a feminist sensibility and and I've learned as much about feminism from my sons as I, as I have from from feminists because that's wonderful. When I describe to them how I used to think of myself, they don't go hashtag not all men. Never. They're the one. I, I'm hashtag not all men to them half the time going, no, they're not. <laughs> you know, they're good. And I'm not being pick me, pick me about it. I'm like, there's so many beautiful people in the world. But they're like, no, men are shit, you know. <laughs> That's too funny. Your own son saying that. Yeah, oh, yeah. God. And it'll be just so fun to watch your evolution too and how you continue to create. And uh, yeah, I've got some inspiration. I've got some music coming out and it's like there's some songs with, uh, there's one song with attitude that, that uh, it's like a dance tune. Very oh, 90, that's great. Very 90s-esque dance tune. And, I uh, love it. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's called Sorry Not Sorry. And it's very much like, fuck off it's very much very much a fuck off men sort of and I'm making with my son that's the thing it's like oh you um, are that's yeah, so fun yeah so I mean, I'm making this son also creative yeah he's a musician so he's my band and producer and stuff so you know I, I was like I want to write a song that is um, a, about men hitting on women and thinking they're all that and I want to just you know write an anthem like that and we pieced it together I had a lyric he, he came up with the music and that's so fun. Yeah, yeah. It is. Tell me, tell me in your life, because I see it in my life, how sexuality, how, how your sexuality, your sexual expression meets creativity, like the relationship of those two things in your life. Mm. Like, are mm. they related? Do you feel they're related? Absolutely. Um, yeah. Part of the reason why I don't feel like I care about where my next sex is coming from is because I'm too busy being creative and I, I, I don't care. So prior to putting all of my energy into what I'm doing now, prior to that, I was 
thinking about being lonely and thinking about, you know, um, self-worth and, and blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. So I replaced one with the other, but it, it evolved that way. And I could say that in retrospect. But the other thing is, is as we were saying with me keeping my love of sport in my you know, it's it's part of my DNA. I used to watch it with my dad and all that sort of stuff. So it's part of me. So is the sexual being that I became and the journey that she's had. So a lot of the stories and language and creativity and everything that I have is imbued with sexuality. It's about the fight for equal rights and feminism and, and all that sort of stuff is about me wanting women to feel protected from sexual assault. And it's about me wanting women to feel protected from being used and abused and psychologically taken advantage of and and all that sort of stuff. But sex is fun. And I I love the way you put it, just like (laughs) wrapping a a worming pill in cheese and giving it to a dog. You're wrapping your message in sex and, for me, having a sense of humour and maybe a lot of the stuff that I talk about on the podcast and stuff is based in sexuality and gender politics and all this sort of stuff and me talking about the Madonna Hall concept. is like people might come for the sex conversation but hopefully they'll stay for the personal growth aspect yeah. of it. So it's, it's, it's bait. Oh, but you had a point there. There was something you were saying. Oh, well, I was going to talk, well, uh, talking just about the reason I asked you about like sexual self-expression. And this would be, you know, this is not reliant on like I have a partner I'm having sex with, but I, you know, more down the lines of what you're saying, like your own sexual pleasure, you being in touch with your own sexuality, mm. irrespective of anybody else, not in reference to anybody else. Right now, mine is so much in reference to other people, but... <laughs> Sexual expression, you know, as tied to creativity and full self-expression in life. Mm. You know, I had had my, my sexual expression had been, has been so tamped down through so much of my life. Yeah. And even in this process, I felt like I had to keep all of this quiet and mm. under wraps. You know, mm. if I was doing you know, life coaching or teaching yoga, I, you know, I couldn't let people know that I'm like sleeping with young guys and having one night stands. Like what yoga teacher does that? You know, mm, like mm. this is idealized self-image. Mm. So uh, all along I, I had, I had, I've been working with different healers and teachers and therapists. And like, I felt like my self-expression would like come up here. And then like my, I had, I felt like I had a message and it wouldn't go anywhere. It would get caught right here, like mm. right at my throat chakra. Mm. But I had this visceral sense in my body and in everything that I had something to share with the world, that there was something in here that needed to get out and it kept getting stuck. Mm. It finally opened up when I started being honest about what I was doing and who I was with this whole cougar thing. And I finally admitted it and like zero fucks given. And, you know, just when I came out Mm. and then all of a sudden, bam, the message was there. I had my book proposal done, my ideas, like the brand Mm. came together, the website. It it was just incredible Mm. how that all happened. And it was just like sexual expression, full self-expression, giving myself permission, following what I love and how then I could finally communicate. And it has mm. just been a, a massive relief. Mm. 
so that's why I asked you that, you know, just in terms of like your self-expression as related to your creativity and your sexuality and your experience of that. Yeah, I think because I've never been, I've never been stymied. Yeah, I always felt, I, if if anything, too much. I, I leaned in too much or felt a lot of growing up and whatever was preoccupied with sex. I was thinking about sex all the time and, you know, like it was, yeah, and wanting to know more about sex and learning new stuff about it and, and uh, interested in reading about it. And it's a yin and yang or it's a symbiotic thing, as you know, you like you know that you're you're authentic, you're moving into your authenticity, but it's also what you're doing is instrumental. It's an intrinsic part of what you're developing as a life coach and as an example and like inspiring people to, like you say, have fun and all that sort of stuff. So it's the meeting of these two things was you admitting to yourself and releasing and admitting to other people, this is me, I'm into it, and having that self-acceptance. Mm. Self-acceptance, and you know when you meet people in your life, when they have that self-acceptance, they're just like the coolest people on the planet. It's the uh, idealized self-image. Yeah. It is so toxic when we yeah. try to live up to this like construct that's like not real. That's like Madonna yeah. whore, baby. It's the Madonna whore complex. You're labeling by by saying to the world that you're not only a woman that enjoys sex, you're a woman that enjoys sex with particular kinds of people because that's the kind of sex you're enjoying and you have every fucking right to. You're responsible, kind, thoughtful person. Like, you know, you, you don't have ill intent. On one hand, yes, you have ev- evol- evolution to come in your life of being more physically self accepting of yourself and you may develop a certain different um, dynamics with the people in your life as to the kind of sex that you're going to have and how often you're going to look look for it and need it in your life your your self-acceptance and your love of sex and you relating more to people who enjoy sex in the way that you enjoy sex is more to do with younger people, say, than your peers. And it may be because you want to keep these walls up and, and not necessarily have a relationship or, you know, get get in deeper. And that's okay. You've got the self-awareness and you're promoting self-awareness and you're joking about self-awareness all the time. So that's, for me, Hella Cougar might be your brand, but I think self-awareness is what you're learning and what you're teaching in a mm. hu- in a huge way mm. because you're wanting the young men in your life to learn self-awareness and you're thinking about who you are from moment to moment so you have that self-awareness yourself it is and, I mean, yeah i, I, I Gosh, for actually my whole life has been dedicated to self-awareness mm. and my earliest memories i mean Definitely by 14, 15, reading, you know, self-help books and stuff. Yeah. I just always wanted to understand mm-hmm. this and, and heal. Yeah. You know? Well, and I want to say another thing too, Rose, that, and I think I even said this in the email that I really appreciated about you is that even though 
we might not be in the same place in terms of where we are in our life path and 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 personal evolution and, and evolution and self-awareness and and standing up for ourselves and worthiness and being okay with ourselves i just love how you have held space for me mm. You know, here I am at 50 and here you are, you know, approaching 60. And um, I I think a lot of other um, feminists or strong women um, would be and are, could be justifiably very judgmental of me and just where I am and how I do present my content and how I relate to younger men and where I am. And you have not been that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead you've held space for my possibility of where I um, can grow over the next 10 years. And I have really appreciated that. Mm. It's, it, that, that is uh, very masterful to be able to recognize that, yeah, I'm, I'm not there. I don't necessarily need to be there. Um, but I'm going to hold space for her over here to where, to what's possible for her. Yeah. I just, that it, is mastery. Oh, well, uh, it's lucky. It's lucky. But I was, I was aware of what, whatever my discomfort was, was about me. It wasn't about you. Women have got to really look at, if there's women that they judge, they've got to look at and like, why am I judging? And, and is, am I envious? Is it jealousy? Is it, is it any of those things? Or a superiority complex or, or any of this stuff, you know? I see value. I see value for you, most of all, in what you're doing. And I see value for younger men who are sincerely jumping onto your TikTok and actually asking questions. I, I don't know how you have the patience for it because I've lost my patience for people I've lost the patience for people saying how young is young enough or whatever or you know what's this uh, that you know actually really taking the literal meaning of the age and actually continually asking and you drill down every message I got is do you like younger men and I'm like you're here aren't you like everybody has their filter you don't have to accept people of a certain age But the thing is, if anybody over 35 would say to me, are you into younger men? I would say, and I'm like 52, I'm like, I don't consider you to be a a younger man because, you know, contiki tours and and, and stuff and youth-oriented cruises are for the over 35s. At what stage do, do we not have the level playing field of a mature adult being over 35 and any 35-year-old dating anyone 20 years older than them, like at what age is a person old enough to know what they're fucking doing when they have sex with someone? Like if it's not over 35, I don't know what is. So to me, right. to me there's literally no age gap. Younger men feel really good about themselves taking an older woman to bed. They think we see something in them that... Is special, and indeed we do. It's interesting. Did you never not think that guys feel really, really, really good about themselves to get you into bed? I guess from like an an egotistical point of view, or like uh, you know, like I I feel like not just because you're a good-looking woman, but because you're a good-looking, intelligent older woman, and they were the one that you wanted. You know, she picked me. She wanted to have sex with me. It's funny. How do I, I'm trying to think how I perceive that. Like, I just feel that, I, mean, I guess, you know, there, there's so many different types of guys, you know, there are some that are, you know, they, it was on their bucket list. Mm. 
one and yeah. done, right? Yeah. Other guys, you know, it's like, you know, they've, they've been watching porn all these years and like the, the older woman thing is like, you know, the hot mom is, you know, like, like that's their ultimate fantasies. You know, and then there's, there's some interesting guys that come along that, you know, really do appreciate the maturity level. They appreciate the conversation, you know, just to be able to have a conversation or the depth of conversation. I've had some amazing, like spiritually deep conversations with some of these younger guys. And mm. I, it's funny, I've never, even though there've been quite a few of them over the last three years, I st- it's never been like a conquest. Like mm. I, I always recognize that I am with another human being, mm. another mm. spark of the divine. Like mm. I always recognize that. Mm. That's why I always just really value at least some level of conversation beforehand, just to, mm. again, like to know who I'm going to be intimate with. Mm. And I just appreciate every human. Mm. Have I slept with some fuck boys that, you know, I mean, yeah, like the press conference one, <laughs> I mean, it's a complete disaster, but it didn't entertain the hell out of me. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> That's why I'm still on Tinder, but the entertainment value alone rose. Like yeah. I can't get enough of it, but mm. it's just kind of been the gamut. But, mm. but even the fuck boys, like, you know, there's just been some interesting conversation. And again, because I, I you know, I, I still feel like there is a level of respect, even though, or, 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 you know, that they, that that there's something that they see in me, but Mm -hmm. because they don't have the level of self-awareness and maturity, it's never going to be expressed properly or channeled in a healthy way. You know, Mm -hmm. you know what? I, I see, I see the humanity in everybody that that I have been with. It's not just like being able to put somebody on a spreadsheet, you know, it's people who presume shallow, is because somewhere deep down inside they are thinking shallow thoughts about the interaction rather than, you know, possibly thinking that it could be more than what they what they think it is. If if there was a equivalent of you who was a man, right? So um old older guy, what would we call him? A manther. All right, a manther, all right. And so so if he was if he was advertising and, and bragging and boasting about how much he enjoyed younger women. It would be disgusting. How would we feel about it? Mm. We would be disgusted. Mm. And 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 I and I just I could just kind of say we as in society. Yes, society. Yeah. And this is what, you know, and again, there are some videos on, on TikTok I've done where this really gets triggered. And then they'll say, you know, oh, if this was an older man putting content out like this, like he would be attacked. And mm. I have even, you know, I even have to check myself because I have held a lot of judgment over the years for like these old sugar daddies that, you know, like, I'll, you know, I'll just prey on younger women and stuff. And I just, I really have to give myself a timeout and say, I, I mean, there's, there's so many layers and intricacies in there here, are. like, because there are legitimately because of patriarchy and because of that whole system, there have been horrible relationships that happen with that. Like we were well, talking it's, before. It's the thing is that power imbalance. I know that um, when I, when I was, I had two marriages, one with a man seven years older and one with a man 12 years younger. And the difference in me as a human being in both scenarios, I felt stronger within myself and able to stick up for myself and all that sort of stuff in the second instance because of what I'd learned the first time. But also, I guess, psychologically, because he was younger than me, psychologically, I think I felt that I could cancel patriarchy out and assert myself more into a leadership role 
by virtue of being older that I gave myself permission and considered myself the boss and I had two young children so I was very protective of them so I felt like I was the one running things and unfortunately that had the patriarchal fallout of him sometimes feeling emasculated by it so the power dynamic is definitely still there in the older man younger woman scenario but I know that when young women actually uh, opt for lifestyles afforded to them by taking on a sugar daddy they see value in what they do for older men they see uh, friendship and and whatever and they don't judge they you know they see this as an exchange and a valid way to get by similar to sex work or, or or anything like that and then you've got young women that are just attracted to older men much older men so I there's was one of those yeah, yeah but but I think overall that power imbalance and that dominating thing like you, you probably know people in your life that you have seen older men and, and and choose younger girlfriends and know that they do so because they want to be the dominant partner and not treat them with as much respect as they deserve so that overwhelmingly it still is probably a creepy thing for a guy to be really vocal about preferring younger women and I think we have to entertain the thought that it's the same for you to suggest that the age is the attraction the age is the attraction somehow we've got to get the message out there that it's a more holistic thing and I think you're doing a good job doing that like have it be a holistic part of your life's journey and it's all it's all part of that so yeah if it, it I've like I say I never felt creepy and I never felt weird having sex with younger men because they're looking at me like Wiley e. Coyote looks at the roadrunner and the roadrunner turns into a chicken dinner they're the, they're the ones that are pursuing me like I'm the prize they're getting what they want they're actually really getting what they want and they feel really happy about the the situation it's not me coming into their life and giving them something they didn't ask for we, we have to accept that women are less likely to be manipulative. Still capable of it, but less likely. Less likely to manipulate? To be manipulative. To be, oh, to be mm. right. To, yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mm. think, yeah, and I, and I think that's it. And there, it's funny, like, there's something too, like, when we talk about it, like, because it is, it's like this creep factor, right, mm. with older mm. men. And, and please, plenty of people on TikTok think I'm a pedophile, a, pe- a pedophile? And think that I'm a total creeper. So I get that mm. all the time. Mm. And that's been a whole other thing for me to work through. There is, isn't there something too with like the older man, younger woman dynamic that it's almost like a trophy thing or an ego thing or like, you know, there's some kind of. Absolutely. It's a reference it's, thing. Yeah, that, congratulations. That yeah, and I don't yeah. know that I necessarily get that from younger men or that I get like that I look better because I got a younger, you know, sometimes I'm just kind of like a little, I feel a little weird about it, you know, just because I'm, yeah. I'm a little self-conscious of what society is thinking about me if I'm out to dinner with a younger guy. I also ask that same question of myself. Am I getting that like trophy boost? Like, ooh, look at me. I've got a younger guy by my side. I don't know that I do. I know the guys that I used to see, date, whatever you call it, would ask me 
if they, whatever age they were, they were like, have you ever been anyone who's younger than me or whatever? And I'd be like, why does it matter? They'd be impressed. They'd be weirdly impressed. Like, go you, congratulations. And other women, my oh, age. Yeah. yeah. And my age or younger women, younger women would be congratulating me for the fact that I was having sex with younger men and that I was still considered sexy at an age and thinking that's what I want to be when I grow up I want to be a sexy older woman and look at Madonna's current partner she's 63 now he's her current boyfriend is 27 oh I didn't know that yeah and she's but she's always had younger men in her life it only sounds young when you put 63 next to it right (laughs) but if you put put 22 next to 27 27 sounds man of the world so and she sounds and 22 sounds a little bit young and naive so there's a lot of presuppositions we make about things based on age and it's all about things we've seen stories we've been told movies we've seen um, examples around us of the worst case scenario or like you say, this whole trophy thing. Um, Catherine Zeta-Jones was 25 years younger than Michael Douglas when they met. And then she had a couple of, like he was over 50 in his late 50s, becoming a a father again. Generally speaking, that's fine. Society is fine with that. But when women do it, they give us these names. And or toy boy, give the boy the name toy boy, her latest toy boy. You don't hear men described as having their latest toy girl, their latest Lolita. They're just a lucky bastard who bagged a young, good-looking woman. So, yeah, yeah, it's the stuff, double standards there. I think the age at which people judge you to be creepy don't understand or are yet to turn that age themselves yet and realize that realize that when you're inside that body and inside that mind you still feel 35 oh i'm 23 man yeah yeah i this is like i i really feel each of us has like an age like that we lock into i don't know how it works or energetically how it works or chemically but like for me it's like 23 it was like a magical age for me or whatever, and that vibrancy is just stuck. Yeah. I, what, what would be yours? What I, would well, be yours? I, I alternate between 17 because oh. I, I, 17 was a, such a big age, such a big learning curve age, I and there's a massive difference between 16 and 17 than there is between 17 and 18. Mm. In, a, in a girl's life, I think that year turning turning seventeen and being seventeen is 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 for me it was a huge. Might it just be because that's when my boobs grew? I don't know. <laughs> I'll blame it on the boobs. Blame it on Come the boobs. On. <laughs> I'll blame it on sunshine. Thirty six again because okay. I ca- I came into my own and stuff. But now that I'm now that I'm getting older. I'm leaning into I'm leaning into this older age too. So I might be 59 for a while. I'm going to turn 60 soon, but I might be like 59 or 50, 54, or you know, I might actually be in that that 50s realm um, until I'm 90 if I'm lucky enough to get to 90. People would say, "Not you're not like other girls. Not that you not either this or that." Although they, they would say that, but most people would say when they met me for coffee or whatever, you don't seem, not not you don't look, you don't seem to, to be your age. So it was like the evidence was sitting right in front of them, but they saw a youthfulness or, or whatever that, that they couldn't put their finger on either. 
because I'd still look my age. After a certain age, I got up to 50 and then I started looking my age. But before that, I, I, I always looked younger probably there is something interesting you know with that comment about like you know you don't look your or well not you look you don't seem your age or you don't whatever mm. like you know part of that it's kind of like a both and part of it can be insulting but it also like I look at my mom my mom is just so I guess I, I, I you know she's just unlike a lot like much like you just very unlike her peers in terms of her thinking so in that way, I, I think she's exceptional mm. for her age in, in, when I make that kind of reference, not because of her looks or anything like that. I mean, she is a beautiful woman, but it's more about like her attitude and her openness mm. in life and her awareness. You know, she's just always up for something like, like your energy, like you're just, you're just always down for something like, mm. and it's just like, it's just, it's different from so many of her peers who might mm. be very static in life or who are very fixed or who just kind of just, you know, I don't know if I'm explaining that well. Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. So, like, it. Just, so how do we call out that difference or, or, or express that difference without it being an insulting thing that, you know what I'm saying? That, yeah. that references someone against their youth, right? Yeah. Like that's the ideal. The energy, whatever the, the energy is it that people is, give yeah. off. Yeah. Mm. Because that is special. Everything's and it a is web. a wonderful thing to have in the world. Yeah, everything's a, a web of layers of you know patri- patriarchy, misogyny, ageism, sexism. Da 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 da. da, da. Peel it away and, and um, morality, puritanism, all that sort of stuff. And you think if society wasn't the way society is and people were just free to do whatever whenever without any moral obligation beyond being careful and being safe and being kind um but we all believed ourselves to be equally capable of love and actual love i mean love just just friend love like love that is care and the enjoyment of sex for a, for a little piece of a gift of love that you give to someone and they give you that gift of love back, whether it's for a relationship or whether it's for a one-night stand and you had none of the bullshit, what age would we put people in? Like, would we care what, what age they were? Not at all. Us seeing men past a certain age... And seeing them with a younger woman and thinking that man is a dirty old man is ageist in extreme, but it's a stereotype. Yeah. And unfortunately, society and I think to a certain degree uh, the way we're primarily geared towards looking for a provider, you know, the the, the internal workings of our, our human nature or they're drawn to power and the symbols of power being money, and and whatever because it translates to security for yeah. this person while they either do or don't have children and, and stuff in the equation. So these ancient practices that we've woven into every aspect of the interactions that we have between each other as human beings, so many layers of bullshit on, on everything and, um, yeah, mostly capitalism, and patriarchy is to blame for most of everything, the human nature that has evolved from it. 
the, yeah. the dark side, the shadow side. I mean, again, like we were saying, like the strides that in just even in levels of awareness in the last 10 years, you know, that have, that has come to light with all of that. And it'll be so fascinating to see what happens over the next 10 years, you know, yeah. because of just like the rapidness of how society moves, it might be just completely transformed in five years. I mean, who mm. knows? It's, it's, mm. you know, with technology and with the younger generation coming up and with their awareness, like, I think one of the coolest things is that <clears throat> so many of my friends who have younger kids now, how many of them, um, are, are non-binary, the kid, mm. the, you know, my friend's kids, so many of them mm. and just, you know, how they're identifying and, and, like that just gives me that just gives me great hope for mm. for our future mm. to know because I know when 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 those folks have power and respect it raises the, you know the, it raises all boats like that mm. tide will raise all boats you know mm. and then that's I think so much of what intersectional feminism talks about too mm. you know when when those who are most um, most held back now and most um, uh, um, I don't know what the term would be, but the most, I don't like to word, use the word disadvantaged, but the, those most scorned in society or judged mm-hmm. in society, like mm-hmm. when those folks start to rise, then it just, you yeah. know, it, it heals everything. Yeah. Uh, learning more about um, transgender identities um, has informed my feminism so much. Oh, particularly, yeah. particularly coming into contact with over the years meeting trans women and know their journey and and know the commitment and the the self um, actualization that is going into what they're doing and then juxtapose that on how you view yourself as a woman if you identify as cisgender and and think what is the intrinsic thing that makes me feel like a woman as separate to a man and you will see it reflected in trans women you'll see it looking right at you that's so that's, interesting that's my experience anyway of meeting and befriending trans women is seeing everything that i love about being a woman reflected back to me that is such a lovely way of saying that and Mm. expressing that well i want to thank you so much for giving me your time thank you for your time (laughs) oh my gosh this is so great to connect with you person to person i knew it was going to be a long one i feel like we covered a lot of ground a lot of we covered a lot of ground i really appreciate it i do too More, more than you know i really really appreciate it thank you so much rose big hugs Yes, I know. Big hugs, big hugs. All right, sweetheart. I hope you have a, let's see, what time is it? It's yo-yo. I hope you have a great day. Thank you, darling. that's the way that went. And that is the way the Madonna Whore Diaries series went. However, it's possible that with a future interview, I might consider that it is part of this series and just incorporate the subheading like I have done with the consent series specifically. It wasn't linear. I interviewed several different people over a period of about six months with other interviews and podcast stories in between. 
Some subjects are just big umbrellas under which you can incorporate all sorts of conversations. So I like the organic nature of just seeing what happens. The next episode will probably be out about three weeks from now. I feel like after putting this series out in a row and having these big conversations to edit and put together and kind of put them out in a timely fashion in amongst all the other stuff I'm involved with at the moment, that I'm a little bit mentally drained from it. So I'm going to take a bit of a break while I further drain my brain, (laughs) concentrating on other things. Because a creative's work is never done. It's an interesting hamster wheel scenario. When you're trying to grow your community, you have to keep putting content out there to engage people. And look, I'm doing it again. Remind people to become engaged with your content to help that happen. Love you all. Talk to you soon-ish. Play now!